Welcome to Days of the New, the podcast where we discuss all things new metal. How are you doing today, Kevin? Is this retribution for Hoobastank? I like this record more than I like the Hoobastank record, so I'm not quite there yet. First off, what are we talking about today? Oh, yeah, good question. All right, we are here for a fan request. Um, this one has come up three or four times on our various social media channels. Uh, so today we're talking about Soulfly by Soulfly. This is the first time I have ever listened to this album. That's shocking to me. So this is um this was a big one for me. Like this is like right as young Nick was getting into heavy music in ninety seven or ninety eight, like this was an album that was heavy in rotation to me. Uh I don't know how I found it. Um my guess is I knew that there was like a Fred Durst guest spot, which we'll cover in depth. I think that's what led me to it. And at that time, like I didn't know other people that were giving me heavy music. So to find something on my own was, you know, random and interesting. And uh, it led me to a bunch of other stuff. But yeah, going back in time, there's like two or three moments on this album where I'm like, oh shit, yeah, I remember this. But there's a lot of I don't remember this. And there's a lot of shit that I obviously skipped. And then there's some stuff that is just not good. But uh, how about we just get into it? My apologies to the people of Brazil. Let's uh, let's go. Let's go. So we're talking about the first Soulfly album, the self-titled Soulfly. Uh, but we'll briefly touch on the background of the band singer Max Cavalera first. Um, Max is best known for his time in Sepultura, right? So Max was born in Belo Horizonte, Brazil in 1968. He, along with his brother Igor... Which, by the way, Max's name is like Maxissimo. <laughs> of course it is. Maximilimo or something. And his brother is Igor. Yeah, Maximilio and, and Igor. Igor. Anyway, so they started a famous Brazilian metal band, Sepultura, in the mid-80s. Uh, I did just find out that Sepultura is Portuguese for grave, which is super badass. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Did you ever see Sepultura? I've never seen them. I saw him in Vegas at some outside festival randomly, I don't know, six or seven years ago. And there was a lot of like dudes on stage playing buckets and shit at the same time. <laughs> it was pretty whack, uh, but you know, I, I saw it. Uh, so anyways, uh, these were some dudes in South America and Brazil, inspired by Iron Maiden and the new wave of British heavy metal bands. And then they heard Venom, which they referred to as the Devil's Motorhead. <laughs> They're not wrong. No, no. And then from there, it, they were just all into bands like Creator, Sodom, Slayer, Celtic Frost, that kind of vibe, right? So Sepultura, while getting their start in the mid-80s, has like zero hair metal in it. Like it's thrashy, but it's crazy because going back and looking at them in their very genesis, they're kids. Oh yeah, super kids. Yeah. They didn't know if they were punk or metal. So recently there's that controversy that like early footage from the mid eighties shows them wearing like swastikas on their shirt. Yeah. They thought they were fucking Sid Vicious or yeah. Susie Sue and uh yeah, and exactly. went for it and exactly. yeah, didn't work. Didn't work. Why Sepultura crosses over into the new metal lexicon uh, was in the, the 1996 album Roots, which was produced by Ross Robinson and features guest appearances from Jonathan Davis, David Silvera, DJ Lethal, and Mike Patton. Yep. Uh, this album continued the Sepultura trend of blending lyrical and instrumental themes from Brazilian culture with traditional metal sounds, and the lead single Roots Bloody Roots kind of slams. It goes so hard dude <laughs> so like if you have anything that you want to talk about on this album go for it i feel like you know we had a lot of albums to cover on this show and we might want to do that album at some point so 
literally that's as deep as i'm going into into roots bloody roots unless there's more that you want to say no dude i think roots is probably the best album that soulfly put out and no i did not misspeak (laughs) here yeah 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 roots is cool so the reason that he left sepulchre to form soulfly is is pretty fucked up so uh max's stepson dana was killed in a car accident okay right so Max found out about it, like, in Europe at a festival, like, got off stage and found out his kid died. And he borrowed Ozzy Osbourne's plane to, like, immediately fly back to the States. That's never ended well. Yeah, yeah, yeah Ozzy Osbourne <laughs> plane, right. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, um, you know, so he, he mourned and whatever. And a few months after the funeral, he joined the band again. And the band voted to fire their manager and find somebody new. The problem is their manager was Gloria Bujnowski, who was Max's wife and the mourning mother of Dana, who was oh. just killed in a car accident. Ah. Yeah. So Max is quoted in this time period as saying, I started Sepultura back in the day. I used to write that name on my school books. What I'm going through now is like watching my own son die. I cry every day. I feel hurt, sad, angry. It's like half of me has died. So he felt like utterly betrayed. Uh, and their reason for looking for a new manager is because, well, Max was getting all the attention and she wasn't focusing on the other band members. I mean, he was the fucking singer songwriter, but whatever. Oh, wow. um, yeah. So that shit sucks. It's heavy. So he started Soulfly. You could either go Tears in Heaven or you can go Soulfly. I would say that Soulfly is probably the heaviest world music band in the world. <laughs> Right? Uh, it's like if, if Rusted Root was really fucking pissed off. <laughs> the band name came from lyrics of the Deftones song Head Up, which was co-written by Dino Cazares and Max. You know that song, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know why we haven't done Deftones yet. I think it's because I love them so much that I don't want to make fun of them. I got nothing ill to say about like White Pony. I can't even laugh about it. No, perfect album. End episode. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get into the album itself. Um, It was recorded at where else but Indigo Ranch Studios with Ross Robinson at the helm. It is long as hell, clocking in at 68 minutes. Did you know in Brazilian culture, it's actually considered rude to show up on time? Okay. I'm not making this up. If... You say that you're going to be somewhere at 7.30. You should probably show up like around 7.40, 7.45. I think this also explains why this album goes on for fucking ever. <laughs> well, then this is just the, the the cheap version of 68 minutes. If you bought the deluxe oh. digit pack, it was just shy of 73 minutes. But that does remind me, dude. I haven't thought about digit packs in a while. So this no. was a, they, this record came out on Roadrunner. For those that don't know what that is, Roadrunner would sell the base version of the CD and its plastic jewel case for $17.99 or whatever. But for like 23 bucks, you could get this like cardboard version that would like fold out with extra artwork and it would like sometimes have two CDs in it. And it was just like cooler. Yeah. I had the um, Fear Factory obsolete Digipack that I, uh, I thought was super cool. See, I thought Digipack was just the name of a Fear Factory album. Yeah, that, that would be Digimortal. <laughs> ah! <laughs> So anyway, the album went gold. It was somehow given four stars by AllMusic, and NME gave it a 7 out of 10, which is probably where I'd put it just if I was only reviewing new metal albums. I could give it a 7 <laughs> out of 10. But out of like all of the various types of music, there's no fucking way on earth this album's a C-. Good God, no. The album art is pretty iconic. It shows kind of like a black shadow version of Max standing on a beach doing his best Jesus Christ posed while everything's like green and like all around it. Uh, the CD itself said, In Loving Memory, Dana, across the front. 
Dana Wells' name is threaded throughout all of this in terms of subject matter, and it's really put at the forefront. Like, this is a man who's using this album to process his grief. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. That's 100% what this is, which is amazing for me. The album kicks off with the song Eye for an Eye, which is the song that to this day ends every Soulfly show. So, like, it's wild for me that, like, if this is his diary of pain, Mm -hmm. that he wants to go right back to it at every show. You know, out the gate, and I don't have many kind things to say about this album, but this shit goes hard. Yeah, I know. I mean, this is definitely the most iconic Soulfly song. Yeah, this ranks up there with, for me, with like Kitty as one of the standouts in just terms of like heavy new metal. Yeah, 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 it, it is. Um, You know, so Max Cavalera, for those that don't know, only played a guitar with four strings on it. So... <laughs> As a child, he, uh, you know, broke the top two strings and then didn't bother to replace it, probably because Ernie Ball strings are probably hard to come across in, you know, wherever that town that I said he lived in is. (laughs) Sorry, Brazil. For all our Brazilian fans. But uh, yeah, so I mean, ultimately, he kind of realized, like, I'm never going to take a guitar solo. I'm never going to play an open chord. I'm only playing power chords. I'm down-tuned to drop whatever, so most of the time I'm using one finger Let's just use these four strings, right? So he has really heavy gauge strings on. He's playing like the most angular pointed BC Rich guitars that you've ever seen uh, while wearing various patterns of camouflage at any given time. Uh, He's been known to play a BC Rich Warlock with the Brazilian flag on it. There's nothing you can do with that guitar but make it sound heavy. Like if you tried to make it sound pretty, it's not going to do it. Like it's got one job and that's what he does with it. Tears in heaven or Soulfly, man. What's it going to be? <laughs> yeah, so it starts off immediately to tell you what the Soulfly sound's going to be. It's very simple, aggressive, like three chord, three note even riffs, repeated in syncopation with a drum beat reminiscent of a fast Amen break. Yes, yes, that's right. exactly what it that's is. That's like the tribal metal sound. Yeah. <laughs> I got it. I hope that they do hear this. I used to be the band that uh, plays the theme song to this awful podcast you listen to for some reason. Tarnish <laughs> used to play shows with a band from a few towns over called Armistice that really, really wanted to be Soulfly to the point that they were just like a bunch of big dudes with dreads and pointy guitars that were all about like Earth first and smelled real bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> their band was the, uh, called Armistice and it was spelled wrong, but they were they were real nice guys. But Every single song that they had had that exact same. There was no groove. Like Sepultura was groove metal. Like you would fall into that groove. Yeah. This shit just plays the same beat over and over again. Yeah, you would think your CD was skipping. It's just the whole time. That's that's it. This song's interesting because it has guest spots from Dino Cazares from Fear Factory on guitar and Fear Factory singer Burton C. Bell providing some back and forth vocals with Max on the song, which I did not know until I did the research for this episode. This is a debut new metal album that, unlike everything else we've covered, out the gate, he's calling in all of his famous friends. Mm-hmm. This is the first new metal album we've reviewed where the person already had credibility and like a name for themselves. Yeah, and friends. Like, yeah, this is beyond just like guys I've toured with. Like, it seems to me that these dudes love Max Carolera, especially Chino. Yeah, from the Deftones. Yeah. All right, track two is called No Hope Equals No Fear. Isn't that the slogan of an actual No Fear t-shirt? <laughs> like, he who dies with the most toys still dies? Or 
I would like to see the Sepultura Big Johnson shirt. <laughs> Root. <laughs> so uh, let me point something out, though. Like, this song continues with the same intensity that Eye for an Eye has. Mm-hmm. But, like, this album sounds bad. It sounds so bad. So I, I'm going to play you a clip. Um, Soulfly got their band name from a songwriting experience that Max and Chino had for the second Deftones album, Around the Fur. The song is called Head Up. So I'm going to play you, just straight up from Spotify, a little bit of Head Up so you can like hear the tonal quality. And then I'm going to pay you a little bit of No Hope Equals No Fear. Like, amazing, right? It's so round and warm, and, like, all the instruments are there, but, like, it hits all the parts of the headphones, right? That Those riff, the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, extremely new metal, right? All new metal songs are just one finger coming, you know, 02, 03, 05, you know. Um, so this is a really similar song, but I just want you to listen to the audio quality. <laughs> So I apologize for those of you that haven't spent a lot of time listening to new metal with headphones on. But Kevin, you hear what I'm talking about, right? Ross Robinson was asleep at the wheel for this entire album. That's what I'm saying. And like Ross is there for like getting performance out of his artists. And he's there to like add weird sound effects. But I don't think anybody ever said, dude, you want Ross Robinson to make your guitars sound bomb. Yeah, I guess not, man, because like all the pieces are there. But this sounds like it was recorded inside of an envelope filter pedal. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's 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 just so thin. The the loudest thing on the album aside from the vocals is probably the snare drum, which I'm not mad about, but like it's very percussion driven. It might not be Ross, it might just be like these are the shitty tones that this guy uses for his guitars, <laughs> but like it's just thin and anyway, when it hits it doesn't hit you with that full feeling because it's just not recorded that well. Yeah. I do like the added percussion, though. There's a cool part in the song where the drummer is just like riding out the crash cymbal, but there's this like, like tom beat going through it, too. So obviously they added some other drums because, like, unless you got three arms, you can't do that. What I like about this is we have a solid go. Oh, yeah. And I always appreciate like a good whisper talk, like, I'm the angriest man in the world. I'm the angriest man in the world. I'm the angry. Like, I love that. What I really appreciate is the random fuck. Like, you you know I have a big soft spot for the random fuck. For sure. Yeah, Barrier Dead perfected it, but here <laughs> we get just the fuck, like, out of nowhere. I just love that. To me, this could be, like, Earth Crisis, like, during their new metal phase of mm-hmm. Slither. This is kind of in line with that. And where it kind of trips you up and you know that you're listening to something that isn't like anything else in the new metal space is when he comes in like with that weird didgeridoo Peter Frampton mouth thing. I believe that that is called a Jews harp. Um, I found huh. while doing research for this album. Don't love that. Nope. Is it spelled? <laughs> yeah. Like the, yeah. Yeah. yeah capital mm. J and everything. Ooh, the song kind of, well, it has got, it's got a meth scat in it for sure. Uh, and then it kind of ends with like this, like, chopped and screwed thing before like a phased synth sounds it out and then you hear like distortion pedals being plugged and unplugged and plugged back in because that's what ross robinson does put me right the fuck to sleep yeah it took me out of the song um which Mm -hmm. is a a 
theme on here. There, there are seven minute songs of this album that rock for two minutes and then just go off on an ayahuasca journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do. I have ayahuasca in my notes. <laughs> Me too. I got to it earlier than I wanted to, but I'm glad we're on that same vibe. Yep. Uh, speaking of vibes, this one ain't. Let's talk about bleed. <laughs> oh, God, do we have to? Ding, ding. Here comes the shitmobile and Fred Durst <laughs> is the co-captain. Oh, my God. I hate this song. In fairness, this was my favorite song on this album in 1998. Of course it was. Of course it was. Jesus. So this one deals with the pain that Max felt after the death of Dana. Again, pretty much the Mm -hmm. whole album does. It features a truly horrible Fred Durst rap spot, while DJ Lethal, I think, makes sound effects behind it. And well, just let me let me give you the clip. I hate this song. Sorry, I wasn't going to do a clip, but now I need to do a clip. Okay, so that's that's the intro to the rap part, but the rap part itself is the real horrible part. Do you have a comment, Kevin? I want to punch whoever mixed this. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if anybody did. No, nobody is in time on this whole song. We do get a classic new metal, Lies Eyes Inside. Mm -hmm. We get a go. And then Fred Durst, he he jumps in and shits out a verse before like this frantic Cotton Eye Joe breakdown. (laughs) What, What I really appreciate is the use of traditional South American instrumentation. A springy door stopper that's pulled back and let go. Yeah. Yeah. A dial-up modem. <laughs> a motion-activated Halloween ghost. Rubber bands of varying sizes smacked against a high schooler's wrist during detention. And a ham radio sitting at the bottom of an ocean. <laughs> I, I really like that. It's very, multi, uh, it's very multifaceted and uh, really just brings together a depth. That was uh, missing in new metal. Yeah, yeah, I, I think uh, I, I think you nailed uh, absolutely every one of those instruments. Are we would be remiss if we didn't hear part of the Fred Durst verse? So I'm gonna try and cue it up here. You piece of shit is right. <laughs> I do like the uh, guest verse by the Halloween uh, ghost. Yeah, yeah. As soon as I heard it, I was like, "That's what Kevin was talking about." <laughs> And the song ends like <laughs> immediately after the Fred Durst rap, it goes to a meth scat and then someone starts banging on a garbage can. <laughs> that's, that's just what this album is. I think that that Ross Robinson took this job because he was like, how many things do I get to play in the background while you're making these songs? Well, let's get into Tribe because this is one of the longer songs in the album. And I do have a few things that I want to talk about on this song. So how the hell is this a single? I, that's, that's my first line. Somehow this six-minute song was released as a single. It starts off with a tribal chant in Portuguese. That it's actually, like, maybe the best music on the album. Yeah. <laughs> um, and in the background, somebody's playing an instrument called a barimbau. Kevin, mm. do you know what a barimbau is? No, I do not. Uh, a barimbau is the traditional instrument of the Brazilian martial art of capoeira. So ah. capoeira is a combination of a martial art and a dance, and it's it's performed to a beat. So a barimbau is a hollow gourd tied to a stick with a wire stretched across it like a bow and arrow. 
The player holds it against their stomach with their left hand using a small stone as a bit of a bridge against the wire. Now the right hand holds a little basket full of beans and a small stick to strike it. Okay, so it sounds like this. Okay, that's that's what it sounds like. That's a burn bow, which is all over this album. And uh, it can only make two notes. So it's mostly just like the guitar work on this album. At the end of the song, it goes into kind of a cool breakdown, but he's just yelling the name of a bunch of like native tribes around the world. It's kind of like, again, that like that Limp Bizkit shout out where they name all the cities that they want to play, except it's Max Cavalera shouting out like the name of indigenous tribes around the world. Huh. I tried to uh, keep up with that, but man, Google Translate really shit the bed on this one. Mm. I do uh, have one thing to say. I I really did like your description of uh, the song and kind of uh the the journey that it takes you on but i think that the best job was really done by whoever wrote this wikipedia page entry which i'm now going to read to you thank you this is from the lyrics and music section for the song tribe the first minute of the six minute song plays a barimba with a guy singing in a foreign language Tin can sounded drums would start before going into churning metal riffs containing power chords with drums performed during the rest and then played over the riff. Tribal part is played during the last quarter of the song before ending with the same rhythm in metal. I mean, I'm hoping that that's somebody from Brazil that like did a voice to chat from Portuguese to English and that's what came out. Actually, that that make, that makes me feel better than what I was going to say about the author. You want to go into the next song? Oh, Boomba. Yes, this is actually probably my favorite song on the album. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on here, but I kind of like it. Yeah, yeah. I really like the vibe. I like the chorus where it sounds like he's logging into the Matrix. <laughs> it's got the best like, call to action on the whole album. <laughs> he just, just goes, bring the shit. <laughs> bring the shit is what I'm going to tell my dog from now on during house training. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of go potty. Go potty. I'm fucking tired of it. From here on out, I'm going to stand in my front yard screaming, bring the shit at my, at my puppy from here on perfect. out. Yeah. I mean, it, it shall be done. My biggest beef with this song is that it's just the riff from head up again. Yeah. It's the same riff. I'll, yeah. Get used to it because it's going to be here for a while. <laughs> We're going to hear that riff a lot more times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so the next track is First Commandment. Uh, So this is where I'd like to talk a little bit about the overarching theme of the album, uh, the death of Max's stepson, Dana, and their belief at the time, as well as Chino Moreno's belief that Dana may have been accidentally murdered. Is that the right way to put that, you think? Uh, I think just murdered. Yeah, I think just murdered. I don't know that it was an intentional murder, but and I I don't know legally whatever happened. But the story is Dana was driving in his girlfriend's car, a green Hyundai, I believe, and that at some point the car kind of crashed over the median and slid into a tree where he was, uh, the airbags were deployed and he was killed. There were two of his friends in the car, one of whom had a broken jaw, the other one had both of his legs broken. Now, Dana's dead on the scene. They had to use the jaws of life to get everybody out of the car. Both of his friends in the car, and correct me if you've read more than I have, but from what I understand, they both claimed amnesia and don't remember anything after they left the pool hall that evening. Yeah, they claimed under oath to have simultaneous amnesia. They both say they don't remember the accident. They both lost their memory, according to them, 
at the same exact moment, which is playing pool. And that was yeah. 30 minutes before they were in the car. So there's uh, some rumors that they were perhaps being chased by a, a street gang, something about some cocaine being stolen by a couple of white boys, and they thought it might have been the two guys in the car with Dana who mm-hmm. maybe wanted to put a scare into him and waved a gun. Dana saw the gun and ran, ran off the road and was killed. The car then sped away. Um, there are witnesses that say that a white or light blue car with a black pinstripe fled the scene. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'm actually inclined to believe that because from every single thing that I've read about Dana, he was not that guy. He was like yeah. uh, gentle and kind of, you know. His parents said that he had celiac disease from a child, so he couldn't drink. But the cops mm-hmm. did find a whole beer in his jacket pocket. Oh, yeah. that's interesting. Not that anybody that has celiac has never drank beer before. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, let's be real. But uh, yeah, he was involved in his mom's uh, music management business. Uh, and uh, those friends that are his in the car, his mom has claimed weren't really his friends. She'd never met them. And that they were likely like sepultura hanger-ons, like, you know, just fans that became a fan of Dana, Dana because of who his dad was. Yeah, I can totally see that. And Dana, for all of the great things about him, had really shitty judgment when it came to friends. Uh, Nick, did you see this quote from one of uh, his uh, quote-unquote friends? I don't know. Okay, I would like to read this to you. Uh, This is from an article that I found uh, regarding what they assumed to be his murder. Wells' friends visit his grave weekly to party, meditate, and roll dice. You want to know how good Dana was, says Mark Corona, 24, one of his best friends. Dana was even nice to the fat, ugly girls in high school. Most guys aren't close to that good. Cool guys. Cool guys. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, uh, Dana's nickname was D'Lo, named after the dice game CeeLo, apparently. Can I tell you, I always wish that I learned how to play dice. Oh, I thought you were going to say you wish you had a cool nickname. You want me to start calling you, I'll start calling you T-Bone or something cool like T-B- that? No, I'll- hey, T-Bone! <laughs> I mean, look, I'm just saying last name's Delory. D-Lo, I could still get it. All I need to do is learn how to shoot dice and suggest to people that be my nickname. <laughs> guys that give themselves a nickname are always the coolest guys. This song was uh, co-written with Max again by Chino from the Deftones. And the lyrics, I mean, obviously the song is First Commandment. Um which is, thou shall have no other gods before me. Yeah, I, I, I do believe thou shall not kill is the sixth commandment. Fifth. Fifth. Yeah, but the lyrics are like murderer, blood on your shoulders, which I don't know how the blood gets on your shoulders, but karma, how does it feel to take a life? Wailing in vain, you'll reap what you sow, that kind of stereotypical stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's uh, first commandment. And yeah, you should have no other gods, but okay. Which, first off, free will, bro. You gave it to humanity, and I'm not going to do shit. I saw an article where, um, what was the uh, bass player from, or the uh, the, the guy from Burzum? Oh, uh, Varg. Yeah, Varg. <laughs> so for those that don't know, <laughs> uh, Swedish black metal is very interesting. And uh, at some point in uh, the late 80s, early 90s, a bunch of churches were burned down. And uh, a band called Burzum, which was really just one guy, was largely responsible for it. You look this shit up on your own time. It is crazy but anyway they asked max about the church burnings and at one point he was like oh i totally agree with those <laughs> then he had to like walk it back and he was like oh i don't believe in violence at all um but there's a lot of talk that soulfly was a, a christian band and he had to walk that back and say how spiritual he is and it's uh, it... he did say in that quote 
yeah, fuck yeah, you should burn churches. And then I think that like to walk himself out, he said, I'm look, I'm not saying you should burn Christian churches. I think you should burn mosques and synagogues <laughs> yeah. too. Yeah, you did burn That's them all said. down. <laughs> yeah, which I not sure that helps, but uh I appreciate you kind of doubling down on that. Yeah, equal opportunity. <laughs> the next song is called Bumklat. Bumklat. We're getting into some POD territory. Yeah, do you know what Bumklat means? Uh yeah, would you like to tell the audience? Uh I mean, we we'll see if we have the same thing. I got it as a Jamaican patois for blood clot, but it kind of means motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's uh that's essentially what tracks here. So, uh Bumklat is said to come from a reference to a menstrual pad. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, the boom- oh, so you're like fuck off, you tampon. Yeah, yeah, that's that. That would be where it originally comes from. Uh, based on the Old okay. Testament, uh, Rastafarians believe that sleeping with menstruating women is sinful. Uh, so this idea of oh, you into the wilderness with you seven yeah, days. There you go. There you go. Yeah, apparently uh, Rastafarians don't believe in earning your red wings. They're lost. Mm. Uh, <laughs> you're uncomfortable. Uh- <laughs> yep, yeah, mark the bingo card. It's a not a memorable song, but he calls a guy Boom McClaude in it. Uh, and Motherfucker. Next. Over and over. <laughs> the next song is called Soulfly, and it's just a little, like, elevator music, instrumental earwash, oh, easy little island jam. Pure moods. Just yeah. pure moods. Uh, yep. Not many bands can do this. Can you imagine Korn being like, this next song is called Korn? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this one's dope, though. It's got like steel drums and like ocean sounds. Yeah, I really <laughs> like this one. Like I was, yeah, I was I vibing to this. I might add it to my playlist I listen to at work because I can't get work done without listening to words. <laughs> Shout out to everybody who listens to this podcast at work. <laughs> <laughs> um, The next song is called Umbabaramba. Yeah. Umbabaramba. Umbabaramba. Now, this song is a cover of a song from 1976 by a different Brazilian musician named George Benjor. Mm-hmm. The song references Umbambarama, which was a, uh, a soccer player. I did not know that. And that's fascinating because my note here says, this sounds like what you'd hear at the World Cup the moment before a hooligan football firm caves your head in with a metal stanchion. Well, I guess they nailed it then. They nailed it. It sounds like Monster Magnet to me. <laughs> I, I like it. It sounds like going to war. I was getting amped up on it, but I fully expected to have a pint glass smashed across my head. You know, choked out with a scarf. Yeah. So we're we're very much, though, in, like, the area where this album should have ended. Like, there's there's just a lot happening right here that doesn't really contribute to the strength of the album. Yeah. It's just making me angry as I'm listening to it over and over again. The next song is... I, I don't know if this is like the this concept album part of the album where they're going to talk about Brazilian folk heroes because we have this soccer player. This next song is called Quilombo, and it is a tribute to a man named Zumbi. Zumbi was a uh, Brazilian of Congo origin and a Quilombola leader. He was a pioneer of resistance to slavery of Africans by the Portuguese in Brazil. He was one of the last kings of a settlement of Afro-Brazilian people who had liberated themselves from enslavement. And today, Zumbi is revered in Afro-Brazilian culture as a powerful symbol of resistance against the enslavement of Africans in the colony of Brazil. And just so you know that Max takes this real seriously, he put fucking Russian-ass DJ Lethal on the track. DJ Lethal is having a fucking seizure. <laughs> That's all, all he ever song. does. He's having an absolute seizure. I nobody they should have just pulled the turntables away from him because he can't control himself. <laughs> I, I do feel like DJ Lethal's whole musical career is him being like, look at me, look, look at me. me. 
<laughs> just pushing the slider to the top of the mix, trying to make as much noise as you can. I'm important. That's really good that you told me who uh, Zumi is, because I thought Quilombo was like new metal Columbo. <laughs> and, and he'd go around like solving new metal crimes. <laughs> Uh, uh, the favorite show of new metal old ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off, Trevor. Quilombo's on. <laughs> All right. The next song is called Fire. It's a pretty heavy, straightforward new metal track with big guitars and a repeated chorus of fire. Lots of uh, meth scatting. For about two minutes. And then it goes right into the pure mood shit again. Right. We go into the smoke lodge and we come out when I finally dosed ayahuasca in the jungle and I've Mm -hmm. writhed about on the floor of a thatch hut, vomiting and shitting into a bucket while going delirious (laughs) before I fight my mirror twin that's manifested from all my darkest fears. This is what I'm listening to. I can't believe it. I literally, this is the song that I have ayahuasca in my notes for too. <laughs> this song does have introduces two new Brazilian instruments, mm-hmm. which I'll tell you about. Uh, one is called a go-go, which is just two bells stuck together. So again, it can only play two fucking notes. <laughs> and then the other one is called a chacalo, which is just a fucking tambourine that's shaped like a stick. We're making this shit up at this point, aren't we? <laughs> Dude, I found like a YouTube channel. It's just a guy showing you what Brazilian instruments do. Oh, God bless the people of Brazil. Yeah, I, I was probably like click two and click three on that channel. <laughs> the next song is called The Song Remains Insane, and it is absolutely pointless filler on an already bloated album. Wait, 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 wait. Is is there a skit at the beginning of this? Yeah. In another language? So. Yes. I, yeah. I wish I could tell you what that skit was about. You would think that this album originally would have dropped in Brazil or the United States, but it originally dropped in Japan. Those people had to be like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> uh, like, There's probably some like Soulfly as the soundtrack to some tentacle porn somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that's happened. So- no. Somewhere in Japan, there is a man who's just paid money to have a complete stranger cuddle him for 15 minutes while this plays. (laughs) What you're hearing right now is the beginning of the song trial. The fourth single off this album. (laughs) All right, your time's up. Stop cuddling me. (laughs) I don't know, but anyway. So um, this song, uh, The Song Remains Insane, is pieced together by two other songs. It opens with a cover of a song called Chaos by Ratos de Poreo. And then there's like a hardcore version of the song Attitude by Sepultura. Yeah, that threw me. And I I don't I don't get I it. don't get it. All right, next. So I like the next song. I oh wow. Yeah. What's going on here? Uh, all right, so the next song is called No. And I'm you're gonna get another audio clip because there's just a moment where like it breaks the fourth wall. <laughs> yeah. Well <laughs> but, it opens 
with uh, Brazilian Vincent Price introducing the next creature feature. Uh, yeah. The, the dreadlock from the deep. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And, and then I know exactly the part you're talking about. So. <laughs> oh, so this, the every line of lyrics in the song No starts with the word no. Um, this song has a guest appearance from Fear Factory bassist Christian Old Wolbers. I do still think it's one of the best songs in the album. Doesn't really mean anything. There's one part where he yells, no redneck shit, and that always makes me laugh. But there is another part that just throws me. No bullshit, no shit, no Yep, you heard that right. <laughs> no slave ship, no motherfucking Hootie and the Blowfish. What did Hootie do to this man? I don't know, but fuck him. <laughs> I have a cool story, bro, here from uh, Max himself. Okay. So in uh, 2013, Max relayed to the website Brave Words a story where he went to go visit producer Terry Date, and in the studio next door, Hootie and the Blowfish were recording. So this is what Max had to say about that. I took a picture with the Hootie and the Blowfish sign behind my head, making fun. It would be funny to see them, because they'd probably say, you're the motherfucker who wrote a song about us. But I never saw any of them. <laughs> How would you know if you did? Cool story. I don't think Hootie or the Blowfish are listening to Soulfly. I'd like to think that they were recording at the same time. And you know, like when we were doing Hoobastank and there was that one song where you could absolutely hear the click track in the background? Yeah. Like, I'd love it if you, like, listen to Hootie with headphones on. You could hear, like, the background, like, garbage cans getting banged on. Just, like, 15 Brazilian guys chanting. Just, like, a million buckets being hit. I think that Soulfly would be way cooler if they smoked weed. Because, like, Max needs to chill. Wait, they don't? All right, we're coming to a close here, guys. We're in the home stretch. Next song is called Prejudice. Do you know Benji Webby? Skindred? I knew who Skindred was. Okay. At first, I just thought, like, holy shit, they got Gilbert Gottfried on guest vocals. Yeah, but Gilbert Gottfried with a patois. Yeah. It's like new metal reggae. <laughs> yeah, I, I I got nothing. Yeah, I mean, this I mean this album broke my spirit by the end. Like, my spirit journey ended with me being like, why is it not over yet? I didn't see my spirit animal. No. This song is just eight minutes of, there's no structure. Like, I don't know how anybody remembers their parts. I actually, I don't think they did. I think they just made this whole song up as they went along. Like someone hit record and they just went. Yeah, yeah, cool. That's it. It all officially sounds the same to me now and it has broken me. They know that it sucks. So they, they occasionally give us these moments of earwash. So the next song is called Carmageddon, which was a pretty cool video game, if I recall. It sounds like either the best demolition derby ever or like one of those types of places that has to make everyday things sound macho you know instead of just like hey here's some wet wipes for your bum it's gotta be dude wipes <laughs> it's like, hey bro you thought meditation was for pussies think again get your ass down to karma again where we'll make your brain sweat and help you crush your intrusive thoughts <laughs> but it is it's just like world music you know to like play it out and then it goes into a secret track called soltao dos matas I'll play out the episode with Saltau Das Matas tonight because I, I actually find it quite pleasant and enjoyable. Really? It sounds, it's like a bunch of like ladies or children like clapping and singing by a campfire. I think it's nice. <laughs> that wraps up this week's episode <laughs> of Soulfly. This, this is just one of those things that happens on the show when you go back to one and you're like, fuck, it broke me. As a first and last time listener of Soulfly, 
I got to tell you, as far as like my world music goes, I'll take Enya. Mm-hmm. I'll take the world beaters. Mm-hmm. Maybe like a whale sound CD. Like, sure. Of like whale sure. calls. And then I'll probably put Soulfly on there. Just the instrumental ones, though. Yeah, just the instrumental ones. Like Soulfly itself, the first six minutes of Tribe. Put those on a loop. Um, you know, a little chamomile tea. Um, I'm right off to sleep. Anyway, let's do that thing where we talk about uh, stuff we've been listening to. Yeah, I have been listening to As Friends Rust. Oh, yeah. Yeah, amazing band from back in the day, contemporaries of uh, bands like Hot Water Music. Uh, they came up in that Florida scene. And they've recently started to be active again. And they released a single a couple months ago called Up From The Muck. If you know As Friends Rust, uh, it's got super melodic, driving, hardcore, big hooks, and uh, just the right amount of angry tinged with just a little bit of hopeful. I absolutely recommend it. So check out Up From The Muck by As Friends Rust. Cool. Uh, I'm going to go with a band that I found a couple weeks ago called Slow Crush. Mm. Everybody knows I like the doomy kind of stuff, and I also like the shoegazy kind of stuff, and this kind of exists somewhere in that realm with a little bit of like late 80s cure guitar playing and a female vocalist. Uh, so the band is called Slow Crush. Their most recent album is called Aurora. Um, they just started to make a little bit of waves in the States when the shutdown came. So I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing them in a small club once we can do that again. It's uh, it's quite good. I really like it a lot. Amen to that. All right, Nick, where can they find us? All right, we are at Days of the New on uh, Instagram and on Twitter. And you can find me, Nick, at Nick underscore the underscore knife on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find me on Instagram at K-J-D-E-L-U-R-Y. And you cannot find me on Twitter because I'm busy watching Quilombo. <laughs> All right, uh, go ahead and uh, take a huge bong rip and enjoy uh, a moment into the sweat lodge as we play you off with some weird Brazilian shit. <laughs>